Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Mike and Virginia Chevalier are not only diehard Broncos fans. They've supported DNVR for a long time as members. Their husband and wife team with 15 years of financial services experience. You can call Mike and Virginia over at 303-257-6578 or visit www.dnvrmortgage.com since your home is likely to be one of your largest assets and your mortgage, your largest debt, they believe it's vital to consider your full financial picture when purchasing a home. This includes considering your short-term and long-term planning goals, your investments, and, of course, your tax situation. Mike and Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation, so visit them again at dnvrmortgage.com or call Chevalier Mortgage at 303-257-6578. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931-006, and Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910-631. NBR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. They'll put a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree or living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. So head over to msudenver.edu slash online to check out all they have to offer. We're talking 40 plus online and hybrid programs and 750 total classes. One of their mantras is learn to lead the change and they're steward of the community. So head over to msudenver.edu slash online today. My boy, Ryan, what's up? Happy to talk to you for a second day in a row, even though it seems like the entire Denver sports world is crumbling apart quickly. Yeah, I don't know how you even had the energy to say that. (laughs) Uh, It's been a rough 24 hours uh, around these parts. you know, of course, the Broncos with all the injuries on top of all the injuries they already had. Uh, and then you just take the most gut-wrenching Nuggets loss that you could imagine. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm going through it today, Zach. I'll try and uh, <laughs> try and gather the strength to do this podcast. I, I do not envy uh, Adam Adas and Brendan Vogt and, of course, Harrison Wind, who had to uh, do a live right after that game ended yesterday. Uh, so hats off to them for, uh, for getting it done despite a shattered heart. 
hey, I mean, at least they're in the Western Conference Finals. You know, there, there's hope there. Ryan, you, you and I and, and all the Broncos fans out there, just injury after injury after injury after injury. I mean, and, and, and I could keep going with that injury word about seven times for it to be spot on. And we're not just talking about injuries because we know injuries happen and likely a team's likely going to have one big injury through a season, right? I mean, it's not uncommon. And then you're going to have injuries to, you know, uh, a role player and some backups. Well, the Broncos have had the role players and the backup injuries as well, but star after star after star is dropping on this team. And we're only in week two and the most recent one uh, to come out is it looks like Cortland Sutton could be dealing with a big-time knee injury, according uh, to the NFL Network. I mean, what do you even say at this point, Zach? Like, you know, it's one thing if the coach screws it up and doesn't call timeouts at the end of the game, and that's what screwed you over. It's one thing if the players aren't executing, and that's what derails the season. It's one thing if the the team wasn't assembled properly and that's what ruins the season. But what do you say when the team just gets ravaged by one of the worst injury bugs I've ever seen? And unfortunately with this fan base, like they always want to say like, there's no excuses, but like there is excuses and this is an excuse. And whether you like it or not, the Broncos just had it taken away from them. They didn't lose it. But now they don't have it because they're not going to have their quarterback for probably three to four weeks. They're not going to have their best wide receiver for Lord knows how long. They're not going to have the the running back who was supposed to be part of their one-two punch for probably two more weeks. They're not going to have their top-paid corner for two more weeks. They're already without their former Super Bowl MVP. It doesn't stop. Like, what do you, what do you say about this, Zach? Because I, I don't know. Well, Ryan, I'm not one to give excuses. And you guys know that from listening to the pod for a couple of years. I don't like the injury excuse. I don't like the penalty excuse. I mean, when everyone was freaking out about Domata Pecco and that block in the back against Baltimore, I was saying, he did it. Stop with the excuses. But this has gotten to a point this year. It's not an excuse. It's just legitimately what is going on. And, uh, Ryan, you lose your starting quarterback who uh, you built this entire offseason around. You did not have a plan B. I mean, Jeff Driscoll was about as cheap of a plan B as you could have brought in. So you you didn't really plan on that. Uh, You lose a Pro Bowl running back. You lose a Pro Bowl wide receiver. You lose a Hall of Fame pass rusher. You lose a Pro Bowl cornerback. I mean, again, we're not even talking just about starters. We're talking about Pro Bowlers. And Ryan, what what Pro Bowlers are still there? Uh, You got Jarrell Casey on the defensive line. Uh, You got Kareem. No, Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons aren't pro bowlers either. Um, So you Drell Casey, Melvin Gordon. Am I missing anyone? That's it. So you you started with like seven ish pro bowlers, six, five pro bowlers. Now you're down to two, two, including obviously, and that doesn't even include Drew Locke. Uh, And so you don't have him. This is something where you do have to take a step back, Ryan. And you have to say, everything has changed. Everything has changed. And so the expectations for this season change. Now it will adjust them as guys come back healthy. If guys come back healthy, we know Vaughn may be out for the season. It looks like Cortland 
maybe dealing with a very serious knee injury. It's not crazy to say that he could be out for the entire season. We'll find out more details later on uh, in the next 24 hours, I believe. So it's not crazy to say that this entire season is now flipped on its head. It's all about development. And hopefully, 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 Ryan, we can still find out the biggest question. And that is what Drew Locke is. You hope he's out two, three weeks uh, on, on the very, very short side. But if he's out for six weeks, like the timetable says he could be, then he has half a season to prove himself. And then what are you giving him? You, you're probably giving him a, a week or two to get back into the flow of things. And then you got to see it in, in the final six games. And to be honest, like, even if he does come back, he's not going to be his 100% self. So is it fair to grade him off of how he's playing with a bum shoulder? Because I was unfair in how I graded Cam Newton when he was playing with a bum shoulder. And look what happened now. Cam Newton is balling. And I was completely wrong about him. Um, And he got it back. Like, watching him throw last season and even the season before, it just looked like a guy who couldn't spin it anymore. Uh, And I repeatedly said that throughout the offseason. And I was just wrong. Like, he got healthy. And now he can spin it again. But what I don't want to do and don't want to see is Drew Locke comes back because he, he's the leader of this football team and he needs to play, but he's playing at 80%. Uh, and then he's judged off of an 80% performance where the Broncos don't win or whatever. Uh, and people start jumping off the bandwagon because I don't think that's fair. And to be completely honest, the more that I watch this, the more that I say, I don't care what happens the rest of the season, you need to draft – offensive lineman uh and the way it's trending you're gonna have a quite high pick uh and there is a generational offensive lineman at the top of this draft so find a way uh to get him on your team because i I mean for me i'm i'm good on drew lock like i believe if you put the right pieces around him and he's healthy uh that, that that this team is going places but you gotta protect him i mean look at daniel look at all these places look at daniel jones can't protect him, he's screwed. Look at Deshaun Watson. They can't protect him. And, 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 I mean, we're talking about Deshaun Watson. Like, a lot of people consider him a top-five quarterback in the game right now. He can't do anything in front of that line. So, I do believe a little bit, and, and, and it doesn't necessarily mean that the picks were wrong, but I think that, that the Broncos are putting the cart before the horse here. Uh, and trying to see if they have a, a franchise quarterback without may, quite possibly the most important part of a quarterback to succeed it's just such a bummer too because it's not like the broncos haven't spent resources on the offensive line they've just done it kind of backwards you know a third round pick on a center this year that's great a second round pick on a on a guard last year that's great 11 million dollars per year on a guard this year that's great left side you didn't pick up uh, garrett Bowles' fifth year option telling you what everything you need to know about how the organization views him Right side, uh, you did try to get Juwan, Juwan James. So, I mean, they, they tried, but it, that one doesn't look good right now. And, Ryan, when we're talking about this, you say the Broncos are going to have, you know, a top pick in this draft. They need to go get that offensive lineman. But I've seen a lot <laughs> of people in the last 24 hours throw this out. So, I just have to ask you, people are already saying, tank for Trevor? Uh, no. But there's plenty of reasons why. One, this team isn't bad enough. Like, 
even without all the guys that we just said, in uh, half of them in week one and all of them in week two, the Broncos still took the Steelers, who I believe is a playoff team, to the brink. What's going to happen when they start playing bad teams? They're not going to go 0-16, 1-15, 2-14, 3-13. They're going to win somewhere between four and eight games. Uh, and it's not going to be nearly enough to get Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, and we'll, we'll find out in 11 days from now when the Broncos play the Jets. Ryan, if, if, if this thing's really going to go downhill and downhill fast and hard where maybe we start talking about that, it's if they lose to the Jets. And there's some tough things going against the Broncos' way in that game. It's a short week. You're going to come, be coming off a really competitive game against Tampa Bay, and you have to travel across country. So even that isn't a give-me. And you're likely not going to have Drew Locke for that game either. And then what if Drew Locke is out for, for the six-week time period? And then so he's not coming back until after the bye. And uh, if you lose to the Jets, Ryan, I don't know what game you can say that you're going to win. Maybe Miami, but they looked good yesterday. So I think we'll have a, a, a much better idea just where the Broncos are once we find out about these injuries and once we find out uh, about how they respond to these injuries. Does Jeff Driscoll look like the guy from yesterday? If he looks like the guy from yesterday, Ryan, I think they're beating the Jets. If he looks like kind of a cheap backup quarterback, then I'm, I can't sit here and say that that's a win right now. And if you start 0-4, that would be understandable with everything that's gone on especially without your starting quarterback. But if you start 0-4 with that fourth loss coming against the Jets and you still don't have Drew Locke for the next five weeks or whatever it would be, wow, wow. And, and I was going to say yikes, but really it's got to the point where wow. Because, man, it, every loss is probably going to be disappointing that the Broncos have for the rest of the season just, just because that's how sports <clears> – <throat> Sports are built, right? You're never satisfied after a loss, truly. But it's not going to be yikes because this, this team is just so beaten down by now with injuries. Yeah, and that's why, you know, I don't really worry about Vic Fangio's job at all because how are you supposed to grade someone off of this? You took away most of their good players. Yeah. Uh, it's impossible to grade someone off of that. So – Zach, the question for me is, you know, a lot of times we have to put on the hat of the, those running the organization. Do the Broncos punt? I mean, let's say Drew Locke's out for the six-week timeline, um, which means that, you know, it's going to be ha half a season with Drew. Do you sit down Bradley Chubb and say, hey, you know what, let's not mess with the knee this year? Uh, do you – you know, take a guy like Jerry Judy, who has bruised ribs this week uh, and probably is, isn't going to be playing at 100%. And say, hey, you know, sit down a couple of weeks. Let's make sure you get back to 100%. Do you tell KJ Hamler, hey, man, we need to get that hamstring healed up before we, you know, completely unleash you? And, and I'm going a little over the top here, but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Do you decide, let's not push anything? Because let's be honest, Zach, every time I watch Bradley Chubb play, I'm worried because he's not, he's not fully recovered on an ACL injury. And that just seems like crazy talk to me. You know, it's different, but remember when Kevin Durant wasn't fully healthy on his Achilles injury and then he popped his Achilles, like it, 
to me, Bradley, let's just boil this back to Bradley Chubb because I think, I, you know, the, the, everyone who's banged up can't not play or else they won't have a team. But Bradley Chubb, should the Broncos sit down Bradley Chubb and tell him to not play until he's 100% if, again, if it's, it's this long? Because I think if you had Drew Locke right now, I would probably still be saying the no excuses thing. Um, you got a quarterback. Go win football games. Many teams have done it before you. But you combine missing five pro bowlers with missing your starting quarterback. I, I wonder if it's time to just say, okay, let's, let's take the second half of this season and try to build – uh, but let's make sure everyone is right before we put them out there and risk further injury. Yeah, because now this is this has got to the point of, okay, this year competing for a championship is totally out the window, obviously. Competing for the playoffs is really, really tough right now. You're going to be really behind the eight ball. So this is about finding out what you have for next year and making sure that next year you're ready to hit the ground running and you just can't risk it with Bradley Chubb. Because, look, he got injured early last season. The very end of September is when he got hurt, and you still see that it's affecting him this year. Ryan, you don't want any mishaps happening in the middle of September, the end of September with him this year. And then again, next year, you know, we're getting the exact same talk from Vic and Bradley about, you know, I'll be 100% when I'm 100%. And Vic's saying he's not the type of player that he was. No, you need Bradley Chubb to be the type of player uh, throughout all of the offseason next year so that he truly, truly is that guy for week one. And, and there's no more reasonings about why he's not 100%. So with Bradley Chubb, I am sitting him until he's 100%. That's probably what I would have done in the first place. But now maybe there, there's enough from the organization will, that, where they will be convinced to do that. Ryan, I, just, I don't see it happening because I, I see the Broncos saying, we're 0-2. We're not out of this. And just the way that that football mind is, especially in that organization, win now. Vic Fangio is probably feeling a little pressure just, just from you know all the outside noise going on. And John Elway is always about win now. So I don't see them doing that, even though that's what I would do. Yeah, man, I, uh, I agree with you. I think it's, it's with Chubb, it's an easy decision for me. Um, you know, all the other guys are out. Why not you two? You know, the the training room's going to be full, and and the rehab days are going to be uh, packed. But I mean, what? I there is a risk. Like you can't tell me there's no risk of him being out there when he's not a hundred percent. I would say that it's probably likely that every week he goes backwards in his recovery. Every week that he's putting that kind of strain on his knee, he might go from 75 to 70. And then, yeah, by the next game, he might be back up 75%. But that's not, that is not how you recover. And so since, look, if Drew locks out for six weeks, this team isn't going to the playoffs. Uh, and to be honest, <laughs> I might say, Drew Locke, you're sitting down for six weeks either way because I want you to be 100% when you come back. So this sucks, man. I hate having this conversation. But – Sometimes we have to just put on the hat of what's the smart thing for the Broncos to do, not what's the way to win the next week. And to me, the smart thing is to stop taking, uh, taking risks. Cortland Sutton, we'll see what happens with him. But maybe it's a torn meniscus, and that's not as bad as a torn ACL. And, and that, maybe that could be an eight-week injury. Just sit him down. 
Don't make him play when he when he's not at 100. Uh, percent You know, Bradley Chubb, you're back on the rehab, man. Thanks for you know giving it your all out here, but it's not worth it anymore. We need you next year now when you have Von Miller next to you, most likely. Um, you know, just all of these guys, it's just simply not worth it to have them out there playing hurt and risking further injury. Now, if it's a sprained ankle and it's merely a, a pain tolerance thing, they could play. But, like, you know, we haven't even mentioned Draymond Jones yet, who's, like, one of the top second-year guys that we're high on. Now he's missing a couple weeks. Like, this is absolutely freaking ridiculous, man. And it – you know, the desperate times call for desperate measures. And, and I say that in maybe a little out of context for what that normally means, but it's just like you have to react to the situation. The situation here says the football gods have, have stolen this season away from you. Now, now you've got to be smart. And you got to find out about the depth. And you find out about the depth by putting these guys that are injured on IR. And with this year, with the IR being different, you can bring guys back only after three weeks. Use that IR. Put Philip Lindsay on IR. You know, he was expected to miss, what, two to four weeks? Now, after yesterday, it's, it's two weeks, so he's at least going to miss another game. Ryan, are you bringing Philip Lindsay back uh, if he has to miss next week? Are you bringing him back for a short week against the Jets with everything we just talked about? I'm not. And so maybe the Broncos say, well, then he has 10 days off before we play the New England Patriots. And so we think he can play by then. Okay, well, still, don't be afraid to use that three-week IR. And I think what the organization needs to realize right now, Ryan, is they've been given a year excuse right now. You know, it, people aren't going to be attacking them for, for losing anymore. People that John Elway and Vic Fangio have that built-in legitimate excuse now. So the, there's no reason to push things. And people are probably saying, guys, 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 we're going into week three right now. And maybe the Broncos pull off a miracle, which I think it, it would be a miracle. I'm shocked that the Broncos are only, what, they're five-and-a-half-point favorites next week is the, is the early line against the Bucks. That shocks me. I mean, the Bucks must not be very good if they're only a five-and-a-half-point favorite playing against this Broncos team that is pretty much down to backups right now. Uh, so I think it'd be a miracle if they win that game. And, you know, we, we know what happens if you start 0-4. You can finish hot. You can finish 4-1. and And, you know, it's, it's a 7-9 and record. So there's a lot of things that still need to come out of this season. But you got to do it the smart way. Yeah, and, and it doesn't have to be Bradley Chubb sitting down for the whole season. But, you know, you, <laughs> to be honest – you might, as, as long as Drew Locke's down, you might as well sit everyone else down that long, too. Uh, Philip Lindsay, A.J. Boye, like. Wh- Elijah, Elijah Wilkinson, he was <laughs> dealing with something. Let's get DeMar in there. He was dealing with something, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, and, and I might be overreacting here, but, you know, it's, it's that kind of day for me. So, <clears throat> I just think. The Broncos need to take a long look in the mirror and say, what, what's the point now? What's the point of this season? Not what's the point of life, although <laughs> might be worth considering as well. Um, what's the point of this season? The point of this season is to, is to know what you have going forward. This is year, you know, it's, it's hard to swallow this, but I said it last week. I'll say it again. This is year one of the rebuild. This, you have a quarterback. Maybe last year was year one of the rebuild, however you want to look at it, but it didn't start until week 12. Uh, so you are in the first calendar year of this rebuild. 
you don't need to force it for short-term payoff just because it makes you feel good when you go to sleep on Sunday night. You need to figure out how you're going to win a championship with the current pieces that you have in place. And playing Bradley Chubb at 75%, or even if it's 90%, is simply not conducive to how you're going to eventually win a championship with this group. I wonder what Bradley thinks, what he would want to do. Because I'm sure he wants to be out there, but when he takes a step back, Ryan, he has zero sacks through two games right now. Yep. I think he'll get a sack on the quarterback at some point, but I'm not ready to say he's going to finish the season with double-digit sacks from what I've seen. But if he plays the rest of the season and ends with five sacks, with right now that's being generous because he has zero through two games then that doesn't look good for him at all. And the Broncos have a fifth-year option to decide on after this season for him. And for him, that can't be good coming off a year where he had one sack and tore his ACL in a year where he plays all 16 games and has five sacks as a a top five pick. So for him, you know, it it would make sense for for him to be shut down for a little bit of time too. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how he feels. Actually, I'm sure I do know how he feels. He wants to play football. But his agent might be the one saying, dude, your fifth-year option comes up after this season. Now, again, I said it yesterday. I can't imagine a world in which the Broncos don't pick that up. It's a number five overall pick. You you almost just have to to save your own face. Um, But, you know, this is – this might as well be a contract year for you. And if it's not this year, then it's also next year. And next year, as I've been talking about throughout this podcast, is what this is about at this point. So he has to keep in mind that even if right now isn't the contract year, because the Broncos will probably pick up that fifth-year option, uh, next year is the year that he's going to be judged on as to whether or not he's going to make a ton of money as a top-tier pass rusher or – you know, uh, just look down the road, probably somewhere from where he lives, and see Shane Ray, uh, who's on his couch playing Xbox right now, probably. Not to take a dig at Shane Ray, but you know what I mean? Like, he's, he's unemployed. Not, yeah, yeah. So, if I was Bradley Chubb's agent, I would be telling him, you know, uh, you have swelling in your knee, and you're going to sit. Uh, that's the best ca- – that's the best – thing for you right now yep yep exactly man ryan all all of this talk makes me want to drink and it's 10 15 in the morning (laughs) breck brews baby maybe you could have like a breck brew brass monkey uh did you ever do brass monkeys back when you were in college Uh, it sounds familiar well the way you did it with um crappy beer is you buy a 40 You drink it down to the label, and then you fill the rest with orange juice. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And uh, it's pretty good, actually. Yeah. It's like a a hardcore mimosa. So what are you you doing it with? Are you doing it with one of Breck's IPAs? That, or maybe like, I don't know, Strawberry Sky and orange juice would probably go together really well. Oh, man. That would flow. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe that's the drink for 10, 15 a.m. Or if you watched the tailgate yesterday, which I hope you guys did because it's, it's a lot of fun. 
you saw Henry Chisholm have to take three shots of tequila <laughs> before 11 a.m. because he kept losing all of our games. I was going to say, one of them was even before 10 a.m. Yep, it sure was. <laughs> so, uh, by the way, tune into the tailgate on Sunday mornings. We're having a ton of fun with that. I think you guys will like it, too. It's, it's, it's got the vibe of a Sunday morning show getting you hyped up for football, but it's a lot more Broncos and a – and it has our own little, you know, fun DNVR twist on it. It really, it really is a blast. And, I mean, you just said it right there. Three tequila shots before 11 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we do it. Uh, but, anyway, shout-out to Breck Courage Brewery. Anywhere you get beer, you can get yourself some Breck brews. Uh, and, uh, you know, take a little picture, tag us, tag them on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, whatever social media cho- uh, site is your choice. Uh, but whatever you do, find your favorite Breck Brew. They're damn good beers. Week two, almost in the books of football season. One more game tonight, which is an interesting one, with the Saints and the Raiders. And, guys, for week three, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook, is bringing back their can't-miss yes. offer. I mean, again, 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 they're giving you every single chance to get this incredible can't-miss offer. And that is DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. That's right. Place a $1 bet on any team. And if that team wins, you cash a cool $100. That's so tough to pass up. And don't worry if football isn't for you. DraftKings is giving all the MMA fans the same great offer for this weekend's UFC 253 fight. So got to download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code DNBR when you sign up to get this can't-miss deal. Pick any team during week three, bet $1 on them, and win $100 if they win. It's $100 to win, or it's $1 to win $100. It's, it's can't-miss, so use that code DNBR when you sign up for a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Zach, I got a little uh, – I don't know if lucky is the right word, but I got bailed out uh, on DraftKings Sportsbook yesterday because um, I was so, so confident in Chiefs minus 8.5 uh, that I was aggressive uh, on that line. <laughs> And then the Chiefs got surprised a little bit by Justin Herbert, who, props to him, looked yeah. very much better than we expected uh, in his first start. Although, you know, take it with a grain of salt, you know, surprise, no film. Uh, but he sure looked like a guy who's capable of making plays in the NFL. That's for damn sure. Uh, and then Joey Bosa just, like, teed off uh, yeah. for the first three and a half quarters. Um, but – I did something that I would not recommend anyone else to do, <laughs> which is that I once the Chiefs were down by a few scores, I went in and got the live line, just took the money line, forget about the eight and a half, and it saved me. But uh, that's, you know, this is the fun – there's a lot of strategy involved with betting at DraftKings Sportsbook. That's why I love it so much. It gets the, uh, the brain juices flowing. Man, so you were you're a big Chiefs fan down there in overtime yesterday. <laughs> you know, it's it, it, that's another funny thing is like, I I actually wasn't. I was like, you know what? If the Chiefs lose, they lose. Uh, but it is it is funny. You know, it allows you to uh, to see a Patrick Mahomes 
60 yard on the run dime to Tyreek Hill and be like, oh, that was dope. Instead of like, <laughs> God, screw this guy. Well, especially with yesterday's game where both teams are one to know, both teams are in the AFC West, you know, I mean, it, it, it wasn't going to impact the Broncos at all. Really? Whoever won. I mean, probably at the end of the day, it'd be better for the Broncos to have the chargers win just to, just because the chiefs have been so good. But at the end of the day, it doesn't impact the Broncos. No, and that statement is even more true today. Uh, yeah. um, speaking of DraftKings Sportsbook, Saints Raiders tonight. I've, I don't know. I've been wrong about a lot, but I do think the Saints cover that five and a half. I really like that five and a half. But if Josh Jacobs proves to, to be a potential MVP running back like he did last week, then that's how they stay in it. But, man, <clears throat> even without Michael Thomas, I, I think they are going to want to open up the Raiders stadium with fireworks. I think the MVP race is a three-man race, and it's the three guys that I picked before the season. We did a little uh, DNVR Madden League, uh, like, guess what, what happens in the NFL season. I picked three guys for MVP. Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, and Patrick Mahomes. Okay, uh, pretty that, good. Yeah, that looks like a three-man race to me right now. <laughs> Dude, I just learned today that Russell Wilson has never received a vote for MVP in his career. How is that possible? That's it's ridiculous. And it just, it proves that he's probably, uh, probably not. He is the most underrated player in the NFL. I mean, does anyone watch his games? Like he makes ridiculous throw after ridiculous throw that if Patrick Mahomes made these throws, uh, you'd see it from 17 different angles, 27 different times. Like, Last night, they send a zero blitz at him, and he lobs up the most beautiful rainbow to Chris Carson in the end zone because he knew that he was going to beat the linebacker. And I'm just like, that's the best throw I've seen all day. But, the, like, no one freaked out over it. Uh, like, I didn't see it on all over my Twitter timeline. He but. makes those plays, and he wins games. He is so good against good teams when he plays them. And on top of that, He's typically playing with an offensive line that is reminiscent of the one in Denver. Yeah, it's he's a magician. It's amazing. I love watching him, and uh, I hope I actually just hope he wins MVP because I, I think he deserves it uh, one of these days. Okay, from the listeners, we got a lot to get to, so we're gonna work quick. From Lock to Casbah, there's so much to process about this uh, game and our season. The fact that we came within five points of winning is good but it sounds like Drew will be out with at le- uh, for at least two weeks. And that means our road to a 9-7 and seven record and the playoffs gets really slim. I think we should be okay with putting a little more blame on Chubb. There's as good of a chance of him being slightly above average, but not great player as there is of him being a great and star player. If we take out the game, he got hurt being generous. He's had one sack in the last five games going back to last year. That doesn't sound like even 75% of what he should be. And he was at 100% for three of those games. Being double-teamed isn't an excuse. Uh, how, uh, look at how all the other good pass rushers deal with that and don't excuse it. There's no excuse. You can look at team after team, player after player around the league. The good players generate pressures and get sacked. The good players can produce and get sacks without high-caliber talent around them. Even at 75%, he's truly playing average, maybe slightly above average. If Chubb is good and he's going to be great, he has to be being, playing better than this. I want Chubb to be a great linebacker, and I've believed he would be for years. But this is very concerning. Finally, why can't this defense get sacks? I know we're so banged up, but their O-line was in- injured and trashed too, and we only get one sack. 
feels like game in, game out, our defense can't get sacks. There's much worse defenses that get four sacks in a game when they have an okay or favorable matchup. Why is it so hard for us, even last year? A lot of good yeah. questions. Yeah, a lot, a lot of good stuff in there. If you would have told me Mike Purcell got a sack, like a takedown MMA slam down style sack on Ben Roethlisberger, I probably would have said that the Broncos would have had multiple sacks, five sacks, and it would have been very good news. In fact, that was the only sack the Broncos got. And I mean, it's a very, very good question. I mean, and one thing you can point at is, of course, Broncos didn't have Bradley Chubb last year, uh, but actually they got better when they didn't have Bradley Chubb. Now this year they don't have Von Miller. But it's, it's weird, just the lack of sacks this team produces. Uh, that one's on Vic Fangio, for me, plain and simple. Um, we know Von Miller generates sacks. We know Bradley Chubb can generate sacks. And, and uh, for two years now, this defense has not generated sacks with players who we know can generate sacks. So who do you point to? Who is the outlier in this two-year sample size? It's Vic Fangio. Uh, so he needs to figure out a way to get more pressure on the quarterback because it wasn't as if they ran into a stone wall yesterday. Uh, they ran into a, an offensive line that was struggling uh, with injuries and all, and all the other things. So, and they weren't going up against a quarterback who can evade pressure. So that's on Vic Fangio. He's got to figure it out. That's probably maybe the, the most damning thing about Vic Fangio so far, I would say. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with you spot on. And in terms of Bradley Chubb, I understand your points, and I agree. I think there is a level of concern now. Zach, that comment right there is exactly why Bradley Chubb should sit down. Right, because that's only going to grow as he continues to play at 75% and continue to not produce. Exactly. Jeez, man, the injury – we haven't even talked about the injuries around the NFL yet. But my God. Holy you know, cow. <laughs> there was a moment there where I realized uh, in the second half of the day, Kyler, uh, um, Russ, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, and Patrick Mahomes were all playing in the second half of the day. And I was just like, please, oh, please let them all be okay. <laughs> like, Seriously. we can't handle some of these guys going down. Turns out it was really just the morning slate that was devastating. Um, Saquon done for the season Christian McCaffrey out six weeks like it is insane you go down the list just star after star after star 50 plus injuries across the NFL yesterday uh, it's unbelievable is it fluky or is it a result of this weird season that they've had and not being able to train like normal if it's a fluke it's a really poorly timed fluke uh, because <laughs> right. it's very easy for me to point to off-season program was messed up. Uh, NFL was stubborn about keeping their timeline in place. Uh, you know, Vic Fangio already complained about the way that it was set up when they first got back. So, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like you can't prove the correlation uh, without a shadow of a doubt. But you look at that and you say, all the best players are getting injured all of a sudden. There's one variable here that we can point to that says it's different than every other season, so that's to blame. Yeah, I, I would think it would be that as well. Count Lockula chiming in. Keep featuring Noah fracking Fant. Love the count. Yeah, we talked about this in the postgame show. Like, how has he gone two halves in the season? There's only been four of them. 
uh, where he did not get targeted. And especially if you don't have Cortland Sutton, it's your, your number one receiver could very well be Noah Fant. And then Jerry Judy's the, you know, I guess Noah Fant would be your number one target and Jerry Judy's your number one receiver. Yeah. A hundred percent. Next one from Nick Scott. The loss of Drew Locke is 50% on the coaching staff for continuing to start pathetic Elijah Wilkinson over a service old Dotson and 50% on Elway for doing nothing and left tackle for the last three years. Hope Drew is back to normal in a few weeks and both parties learn their lessons. Inexcusable. That's all. I'm sad. Fair. Yeah. It, oh man, if this was the first time that Elijah Wilkinson didn't look good, then I would say, no, no, no. I, how did, how did the coaching staff know? But Ryan, I, you know, I'm not an expert on offensive linemen and I watched last season and knew he wasn't a good answer there. Uh, and I watched this training camp and I really knew he wasn't a good answer there. And just what's really baffling about it is why did you go sign DeMar Dotson if you didn't want to use him? You had Jake Rogers there. We saw that he could step in and be serviceable for a game or two. But, no, you signed a guy that can be, that can be good, that, that can be solid. Why aren't you using him? It's a great question, Zach. Uh, and, you know, you said I'm not an offensive line expert. If you think we're being hard on Elijah Wilkinson, go listen to the offensive line experts, the <laughs> former players – uh, who played on the offensive line, the guys who, you know, make breaking down offensive line, they're living. They, they're way past where, where we are right now. Uh, and so that should tell you something, you know, if, if Zach and I were saying like, and Mace were saying like, this guy can't play, what are they doing? But all these other guys are saying like, no, he has all the tools. Like he's just needs to put it together. Like maybe you could make the case of, oh, we're, we're not seeing something cause we're not offensive line guys. But uh, the, the literal opposite is the truth. The offensive line guys out there are just trashing Elijah Wilkinson. Yeah, we're nice compared to those guys. That's a really good point, Ryan. TK Free says, my boys, I love this team no matter what, but today sucked. I'm sending whatever good juju or, pray- or prayers I have can- to Drew Locke, really, really hoping for some good news. But my main question is this. Is Fangio the guy? Sure, we have questions at other positions, but with the right guy at the helm, we should be great. I'm confused and frustrated by the no calling timeouts in week one, but I can get over it. It just seems we can't finish games with him at the helm. Does he just need to finish one and things will turn around? What do you guys think? Can or will Fangio get us to the promised land? Positive vibes only. I love my Broncos. Thanks, guys. Zach, what is the promised land? Well, Super Bowl? Yeah, that's what John Elway views. Probably not. Wow. You know, uh, I mean, that, that, that feels like the, the truth to me. I, I see a lot of – Vic Fangio is an elite, I think, defensive coordinator. Um, the problem is I don't think we're getting elite defense out of the Broncos, and we're definitely not getting elite coaching decisions out of the Broncos. Um, and – we're also not getting elite offense out of the Broncos. Just listen, hear me out here. And, I, and I'm not, I'm not uh, advocating for Vic Fangio to be fired, but you invested so much on the offensive side of the ball. And I think, Zach, we're in agreement that it is trending towards this team becoming an offensive team. Am I correct? Yep, 100%. What if you brought in an uh, offensive genius head coach and then there's a guy who's a free agent right now 
uh, available on the streets by the name of Wade Phillips. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. And then you're just doing the formula just in a different way. Exactly. Like, I don't know. I mean, that's like – that's like too easy because that that point is too easy because I know every Broncos fan will agree. With me. <laughs> but like I don't know, I, I don't want Drew Locke to have new coordinators every year and have to do with deal with that thing. But the name that's going to be thrown around with every team that has a good young quarterback uh, every time is going to be Lincoln Riley and like the idea of Lincoln Riley and Wade Phillips combining on this team that sounds fun to me yeah that definitely definitely does and when I thought to uh, of this question of is he a guy to bring him to the Super Bowl and you said no I thought well is he John Fox then and just I want to say that but Ryan John Fox uh, along with Peyton Manning of course but he was there a year before Peyton Manning John Fox brought stability and so far it just doesn't really feel like it's fully stable right now. You know, things are a little out of whack and, and not even with the injuries, but you know, we don't really know the protocols at the end of a game. It, it just doesn't feel a hundred percent stable. So I think he, he could be John Fox, but it's got to become more stable across the entire organization. Yeah. The God, I don't want to do this to him, but the thing is right now he's closer to being Vance Joseph than he is John Fox. And that's all I've seen on social media. I haven't seen anyone else, and not that social media is everything, of course, but I haven't seen anyone say, uh, Vic Fangio really reminds me of ex-coach. It's always been, that's another Vance Joseph decision. That's another Vance Joseph move. I mean, people are right in this. The thing, one of the things that Vance Joseph got absolutely killed for was uh, a look of confusion that he had while, while uh, meandering the sidelines. Uh, it's still there. <laughs> Just another form. And, and I'll go back to this. I can't believe we're revisiting this conversation, but I think it's time. The Broncos have not been great on defense. They hired Vic Fangio for the sole reason of being great on defense. It's the one thing that he's here to do. Why is he not in the box? Oh, man, he should be. And maybe that's when he was in the box, that's when he was being able to manage the game better because he just has more resources to, to, his, it, it, to his hands right there. Man, he should be. <laughs> he I, should be. Like, I want Vic Fangio to be that guy. Everyone does. No one wants to go through another coaching process. Uh, it, it's a much better timeline for the Broncos that Vic Fangio makes the defense elite and Pat Shermer makes the offense great and, you know, they, they exist in harmony and the Broncos go win a Super Bowl. So give Vic Fangio his best chance to succeed. It, it, I mean, it, it's like drafting a left tackle and then making him play center and saying, like, well, you were great there. Why aren't you great here? It's, it doesn't make sense to me. You hired a man to do something. So stop trying to, like, be innovative. Stop trying to pretend like he's a head coach and just admit that he's a, he's a really great defensive coordinator the only chance you had of getting such a great defensive coordinator was making him the head coach. So get creative and do something different and give this guy a chance to make, to do what he's here to do, which is to make the defense elite. Ryan, when you play Madden, you, you play from like a bird's eye view. You play from up top so you can see everything. That's literally pretty much the view that Vic Fangio had for almost four decades of coaching. 
Now, could you imagine if you dominate playing Madden from there and then you get a promotion and you get bumped up to, to a harder league in Madden and they say, oh, but you got to be in the helmet now and you have to play that mode. That's pretty much what Vic's doing is now yeah. that he's on the side. It's a totally different perspective. That would be tough for anyone to succeed. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always been an offensive-minded person, so I look at this from an offensive perspective. But I can't even believe Pat Shermer's on the sidelines. Like, when I'm calling plays, I need to see the defense to see what they're doing, uh, how many guys are in the box. Like, is it not hard for him to get and figure out what they're doing on the defense? I feel like that would be really difficult. I can't believe that these guys are on the sideline. It seems – it seems like they're just making it harder on themselves. Especially because now we have, you know, headsets and phones and wireless communication too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, clearly Pat Shermer chose to be on the sidelines, right? Yeah, you'd think so. So that's fine. But Vic Fangio did not choose to be on the sidelines. Yeah, I wouldn't was, think so. If, if John Elway came up to him today and said, hey, what do you think of going in the box week three? I think Vic would say, well, let's try it. Right. <laughs> right. But they're, the NFL is always afraid of, of breaking the norm. You know, yep. do, does, do the players really need Vic Fangio down there? No. <laughs> what I mean, what about Vic Fangio being on the sidelines gives the Broncos an advantage of any way, shape, or form? I can't think of one. And, and then if you're going to put Vic up there, well, you have Ed Donatel on the sidelines – and he can be your go-to guy on the defensive side. And he's not calling plays. So you don't, he doesn't have that extra pressure on him. He's a perfect figurehead for the defense. Uh, this is <laughs> so obvious to me. <laughs> it's like resting Bradley Chubb right now as well. Yeah, that's obvious to me as well. All right, uh, moving on to locks goaded. Okay, maybe I'm wrong here, but it seems that most of the pressure is coming from the right side in the middle of the line. I've rarely seen a lot of pressure because of Bulls. Plus, he hasn't had any holding calls. Actually, he had one. I think Munchak effect is working on him, and he has improved at least to begin the season. Other than Wilkinson, he's uh, other than that Wilkinson has to go. He's been doing this since he became a starter last year, and no QB can be good with 19 hits on them. Dotson needs a shot. I agree with you about the right side and everything going on there. Um, it's crazy, Ryan. Garrett Bowles is on pace for eight holding penalties this year. And he's getting praise left and right. And, I mean, it, it would be improvement, eight holding penalties. But that's just the standard that's been set on that left, left side. I do think Garrett Bowles ha has improved. But how much, that's something else that we have to find out the rest of this season. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a dark time. Dark time. <laughs> Broncos squared. I was really hoping the sling on Drew's arm was going to be like way off P wearing ice at post-game interviews. Thus, as a tool to make Tampa Bay think he will be inactive, they will watch film on Driscoll and Locke actually starts, thereby bringing down Tom Brady in an epic beatdown. No dice. Thanks a lot, Adam Schefter. Anyway, glad to see the team has some serious grit to them. Uh, Hamler, it is going to cause problems for a long time. Judy and Hamler are oh, going to cause problems. Judy and Hamler. It said Jesus and Hamler. I was like, is, it, is this, a, is this a, a joke here? Or I couldn't think of who, but yeah, Judy and Hamler. Uh, yeah, you know, that was 
a big silver lining for me yesterday is Hamler looking like a legitimate slot receiver. Yes, yes, he looked very good. Yeah, he's a uh, he is quick. He's as quick as he is fast, and that's really important for that position. And it looks like he's running some really good routes out there. Um, I saw just a couple views of you know isoing his routes, and that's that's nice. That's it is. Nice. It, and Broncos great continues and says, "Hold up, just read Mace's article, and we had 319 yards of offense." Criminy, that's encouraging. I mean, Jeff Driscoll, man, he's a backup quarterback, but he sure looks like uh, a guy. He moved the ball at least. He can make throws. He looks like a guy who can actually make throws. Yeah, um, which is encouraging. I cannot believe that not. On one play were his legs utilized, though. That, that just blows my mind. Yeah, I don't know how that wasn't, like, the very first play of, of every single series. I thought zone read was yep. the move. Yep, I thought so, too. Maybe, maybe that would have been the move on third and two or fourth and two. A good move, I should say. Yeah, 100%. I, I actually called it out from the bar. I was like, go zone read here on third and two. Yep. Fourth and two, I probably would have liked to have a run and a pass option for him. Uh, but third and two, it would have been a perfect time for him to go zone read. Yep, yep. It would. And how about the Steelers on a short yard situation? They do that little shovel pass. I know, <laughs> and it works so well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next one coming in from Dan Burke. Hey guys, let's focus on some positives. One, the Broncos are easily the best zero and two team in the NFL. There are three teams: Vikings, Texans, and Eagles who were all playoff teams last year. They have highly paid franchise quarterbacks and all retain their offensive and defensive systems, but they've all looked horrible in the first two games. Meanwhile, the Broncos have fielded two competitive teams, despite the offense learning a new system and the injuries on both sides of the ball. Ryan, are the Broncos, this is my question to you, Ryan, are the Broncos the best team among the Texans, Vikings, and Eagles? Texans, Vikings, Eagles, no. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. But I see uh, what you're saying, Dan. Andre had a fantastic point on DNVR Bets Daily the other day um, because I was tempted to take Texans money line. I just thought, like, maybe there's a chance that it all comes together for Deshaun and he outduels Lamar and he was like, wait, wait on the Texans because I think they're going to get blown out in week one, blown out in week two, and then there's going to be tons of betting value on them. With, with no one realizing that they just got crushed by quite arguably the two best teams in football. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. You lose to the teams that could easily be in the AFC championship game this year. Should be, right? Like, yeah. That's, that should, that's the – if you went on DraftKings Sportsbook right now and you could bet on which two teams would be in the AFC championship, that would be the favorite. Yep. Man, what a brutal start for the Texans. Schedule makers did them no favors. He uh, goes man. on and says – Two, this showed why KJ was drafted. I call it the Will Fuller effect, where the offense is more productive when a team has to respect a dynamic player. We all saw how the Steelers completely shut down Saquon last week. And yes, the Giants had Darius Slayton, but he doesn't separate the way Hamler does. There's a reason why it was reported that Hamler was one of the most well-liked players amongst front offices coming into the draft. The Broncos' run game was much more productive and going and without going in depth and watching the all 22, I'm pretty confident that KJ's presence on the field helped keep safeties out of the box. Three for Mr. B and four. 
We're getting closer to Calvin Anderson taking meaningful snaps. <laughs> Next one here from Love Thunder Down Under. Well, beep. Okay, assuming the time this is read, we know about Drew and Sutton. Please let out a hooray if it's two weeks or less for Drew, or a well, this is beeped if two plus. Well, I'll just probably let you know right now, this is beeped. <laughs> yeah. Uh, someone scream into a glass of whiskey if Drew is out for the season. No whiskey necessary, I think. Any hoot. I feel better about the – wait, really quick on Drew. What is going on with the reporting on this thing? I don't know. I mean, it was reported very clear that it was an AC joint from Adam Schefter and Mike Kliss citing multiple, multiple sources saying that it is not an AC. What's interesting is I am of the very clear belief that I know who Adam Schefter's source is and I know who Mike Kliss's source is. So I'm just curious what's going on here. Both good uh, sources, right? Right, both great sources. <laughs> So I'm just like, who's, who is misinformed and why? Right, right. And did we need the MRI for Cortland Sutton for the AC? I think we did. I don't think we found out until after the MRI. Or maybe we found out before, but we had to wait for the severity until after. That's what it was. Okay, because he, he had – Drew has not got the MRI. It's happening right now, as a matter of fact. So, man, we'll know soon. And then we'll be able to know whose source was right. <laughs> I mean, it's very rare that a report comes out and a reporter refutes that report and the second person is wrong. Right, right, exactly. You, you think that if they are going, especially to say that Adam Schefter is wrong, that they have a very good source. Right, and uh there's that doctor on twitter who does all the football injuries and he is also on uh mike Kliss's side here and is he just is that doctor basing it off of just what he sees yeah uh, well. <laughs> <clears throat> a lot of people uh are not a fan of his yeah i could understand why but i bet you he's generated a lot of uh attention yeah by basing his um his diagnoses off of a video of the injury well and because he he gets that diagnosis quick whereas you know we had to sleep until we get the official diagnosis later today he already right. knew <laughs> the the most concerning thing for me that i saw and i didn't see it till late last night and i believe i want to say it came out from ryan green um or maybe it was jeff howe uh, who showed the video of Locke on the sideline doing a throwing motion and then just grimacing and grabbing his shoulder. Yeah. Uh, that was the first time I had seen bad body language from Drew. Because the shot of him walking into the locker room looked like he was adamantly disagreeing with the trainers yeah. and saying, like, I'm good, I'm good, um, which I respect. But then you see that video and you understand why the trainers took him to the locker <laughs> all right I agree with you though he looked more pissed that he wasn't going to be playing than like uh concerned that he was about the injury 100 percent. it wasn't a Garrett Bowles situation <laughs> all right <laughs> all right he goes any hoot I feel better about the Broncos after that game than I thought I would. Can I beg something of you? Please don't talk about the 2021 draft or redrafting prior years or woulda, coulda, shoulda moves by John Elway, at least not yet. Oops. Uh, this team is, relatively speaking, very well built. The depth is showing through. 
that the product is going, uh, that is going on the field is fantastic relative to the adversity they're facing. I'm all for productive criticism of the organization and staff, but I hope we can all agree that the coaching staff is doing well with what they have. It's hard. Uh, it's hard to balance, you know, all of these things. I will say I agree with you in the sense that you can't feel terrible about, you know, the Broncos after that game, but you feel terrible about just the way things are going throughout this season. Yeah, exactly. You feel good about the depth. Just like you said, they're, they're playing very well for the adversity they face, but knowing how many pro bowlers they're going to be without for, you know, until midway through this season, that's, that's tough. That's very tough. Totally. Um, thought experiment. How do these teams and coaches fare with the position equivalent injury losses of the Broncos? Seahawks. So the Seahawks are without um, Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf. Um, who's their second running back behind Chris Carson? I forget his name. Is it uh, their second running back behind Chris Carson? Yeah. They have like a massive stable. I saw Carlos Hyde getting uh, carries, Travis Homer getting carries. Um, I think they still have CJ Procise. So, anyways, one of those guys. Um, they're without Quentin Dunbar. They're without their, their equivalent to Von Miller, even though he plays a different position is probably Bobby Wagner. Mm. Um, they're without, uh, who else am I missing? Zach? Ryan, I can't even think of that. Breaking news coming in right now. Uh-oh. Mike Kliss per sources, Cortland Sutton tore up his knee done for the year. <sighs> that that I mean, couldn't have, I mean Mike it's bad news and he, he delivered it in, in the most gruesome way ever that's that is really bad tore up his knee it's so weird because Mike Kliss is usually so good with his delivery <laughs> oh man I don't even know how, how I can laugh after that that's just uh tore up his knee so there you go you've uh You've lost your best defensive player for probably the season. You've lost your best offensive player for the season. Pull the damn plug, Zach. Yikes. Pull the cord. Reset it. Disconnect the Wi-Fi. Do something. Someone do something. We can't do this. We have to start over. Yeah. Yeah. So what? Cortland Sutton ends up playing in three quarters of this season? Like three legitimate quarters, not 12 games. Did he get hurt in the third? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think so. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I don't wow. know. I, I mean, I expected this when I saw it might be a significant knee injury. I, I kind of knew where we were trending here. But this is unbelievable. And the scary thing is you just never know how guys come back from that. That's If it was just like Cortland Sutton's done for the year – because of x y or z it's one thing but this i'm just so scared of knee injuries um they you know jerry judy perfect example of a guy who came back with from a knee injury and only got better from there so that's what you point to as a positive but there's also a lot of cases of guys who who struggled coming back from knee injuries the good news is it's early in the season um so he has plenty of time to recover uh and you know hopefully get back and be ready for next season and hopefully he has a cleaner 
recovery than Bradley Chubb did because clearly Bradley Chubb is still dealing with it. But good God, Zach, what is happening out here? Ryan, do you want some relatively good news, I guess? I don't even know if this is good news. Or do you want bad news again? Um... I'm ready to be hurt again. Give me the more bad news. It's a, uh, according to Brandon Cristal, it's a torn ACL and MCL. So Mike Kliss, uh, I mean. That would explain why he tore yeah. up his knee. Yeah, Mike Kliss said it right when saying he tore up his knee. That That's what I feared when I saw that, but that's about as bad as it can be. How did we go from knee cramps to um, three uh, to a torn ACL and MCL, Zach? Serious. That's a fantastic question. And that was on the play where the ball went through his hands, right, and, and was picked off? I think so. And then he made the tackle on it, and I think that when he made the tackle is where it happened. Ah, uh, what, is, what is this? Well, how does it keep getting worse? And I, and I see what you're talking about is the relatively good news. Although out two to six week is a yeah. fake timeline. I, yeah. I, I cannot support that. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, that is, that's a, you're either out a third of the season or an eighth of the season. Pretty big difference there. And that is, of course, that Drew Locke uh, didn't have an AC issue. According to Mike Kliss, again, he has a, a rotator and labral issue in, in his shoulder and is out two to six weeks. Uh, what, wait, say that again. Sorry. He has a rotator issue in the back of his shoulder and is out two to six weeks. So, base, yeah, that doesn't really help us. Rotator slash labral issue. Because when I looked at what um, the, the Twitter doctor says, sorry, I don't remember his name. Um, but I like calling him Dr. Twitter, so that's what I'm going with. Mm-hmm. Um, he said it was either a torn labrum or a rotator cuff contusion. But okay. this says both of those. This says labrum <laughs> and rotator cuff. So. so he nailed it. Right? The doc? I, well, I guess. But we still have no clarity on which one of those things it is. Man. Ryan, we thought it was as bad as it could be before this game. And now it just keeps getting worse. Yeah. Wow. I just, I don't know, man. Uh, I think you have to reset everything that you thought you knew about these Broncos and, and uh, move, move the needle appropriately. That's, I think that's what this day is all about. Everyone realizing they've got to, uh, they've got to rethink what the season's all about. Yep. I completely, completely agree. Oh boy. (laughs) Next one. Coming in from Kirk Smith, 44. Obviously, everyone loves DNVR, and we all love the pod, but I think you guys may be in the wrong profession. I think it's time you guys open the DNVR Broncos coaching clinic to teach Vic and Pat a few things about the players on their team. We all listened every day, and most of us are probably thinking things like, that's a good idea, RK, or Mace, that makes a lot of sense, and so on. And then what happens on Sunday? We see disappointment over and over again from the coaching staff. We all run here afterwards to complain about what you're doing, what they're doing on offense, our coaching decisions, and about how we did nothing uh, and how we did nothing mentioned on the pod. I say you guys get into Elway's ear and get the coaching clinic going. Maybe then we'll see our dreams come true. You ready to <laughs> be a coach, Ryan? Uh, I mean, I did take a team 
from two and 14 in my first year in the DNVR Madden League to the NFC Championship game to be played sometime in the next few days. Could be the Super Bowl if I win one more. <laughs> wow. So next year, you're uh, oh, new squad, though. Is your new squad going to be ready for a Super Bowl run? Uh, yes. Well, no. No. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it's going to take me a year probably to get used to – one season to get used to this new Madden that is very different. Yes. It, yeah, it, it, it is very different. That's, hopefully it's different in a good way for me. I've had a few couple rough seasons. Carry a big stick says Ryan, Zach, Mace, hear me out. I've got three scenarios cut for you. Drew comes back and has an okay season. We go eight and eight and end up with a draft pick, not named Trevor Lawrence. Two, we lose, we lose for Lawrence and stop this whole year. Uh, your, your spot crap and let him start from day one. Three, Zach, don't hate me. Dramatic pause. We sign Aaron Rodgers. Say what you want. Rodgers is not losing to the Titans on Monday night or that Steelers team we just played. With Aaron Rodgers, we walk into the building with 21 points. We literally will have an offense where if you blitz, you die. I love Drew for real, but he is getting me killed in Madden, LOL. I love you guys. Keep putting in the work. Thank you for all that you do. Well, Aaron Rodgers isn't going anywhere after this season. Uh, Nope. They finally (laughs) figured out how to use him. Uh, in that offense, which I didn't think should have been so hard, but I also didn't think it would have been so hard to just give the damn ball to Derrick Henry, and it took them a while to figure that out too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, boy, if Aaron Rodgers is there, is he calling a timeout instead of Vic? I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know either. Uh, We're on to Meechow. Is that right, Zach? Yep, exactly. Give, Give Jeff Drizzle. All the credit for making it rain and keeping him in it yesterday. You know what? I hope he's he's saucy so we can call him Jeff Drizzle. That's a dope nickname. It feels too positive in these comments right now. I'm here with my bucket of cold waters. Man, I sure didn't think we needed a bucket of cold water. <laughs> uh, this team has been spinning its tires for the last 4.2 seasons. The O-line has not been NFL caliber in that stretch, leading to every quarterback not named Case getting injured and missing time. Actually, Case did get injured, right? But he just didn't miss time. Right, exactly. <laughs> the coaching mistakes since Kubiak's retirement are bountiful. Sure, Vic seemingly held it together yesterday, aside from that mind-boggling decision to kick a 58-yard field goal. But his and VJ's collective gaffes are only to serve uh, to remind that Elway is almost as inept as picking coaches as he is at quarterbacks and left tackles. It feels like every single time something positive happens for this, this team, the Broncos just say, hold my beer. A perfect example, yesterday. Give up an 80-yard punt return TD and have a terrible lucky call bring it back. Just so Ben can drop an 80-yard bomb on the very next play, this team has been this has been the status quo since 2015. And as diehard fans, we are all tired, frustrated, and dejected by it. The rash of injuries isn't surprising, given the long layoff, and this is happening league-wide. The difference is the Broncos' that lack of depth is glaring. And the one position where the backup might be better than the starter is right tackle. And for some reason, he's not on the hot seat. Oh, our not on the hot seat head coach refuses to insert a 10-year vet in place of a bad excuse for a swinging saloon door. The uncomfortable truth which must be confronted by fans through their use of their wallets and addressed by the NFL itself is since the moment the late great Pat Bowen stepped away from the team and ultimately passed, this team has become a shell of itself. With next to zero leadership coming from above from Elway and the not-so-subtle extreme tightening of the team's purse strings that in that time this team has tried to get cute and said we got cheap. While the Bowen kids play tug-of-war of our, with our once-proud franchise that was built up by their amazing dad, the very entities they wish to control is crumbling to pieces. And we, the common fans, are left to commiserate over what happened, pretending like this is the year it'll get better. So here's the real solution. One, tank this season, draft football Jesus from Clemson. Two, sell the team. 
Three, fire Elway. Four, fire Fangio. He's an amazing coordinator. Stick to what you're good at. Four, five, cut the cord on the heroes from yesterday. That means Juvon. Six, build the core featuring Trev, Law, Judy, Fant, and Sutton. Tell me that plan doesn't sound good. Tell me that plan doesn't sound reasonable, if not more reasonable than Drew Locke is the guy. Cold water never felt so good. It's all – It's. I'll be here all season, folks. Um, yeah, you missed me on a few, that's for sure. Um, you know, it's easy to say that since Pat Bowen stepped away, the franchise has been a shell of itself, except for the fact that they've won a Super Bowl in that time. Right. <laughs> yeah, they, they did do that. They did now, do that. That – doesn't discount the point that the Broncos do need ownership and they are it seems cash strapped uh which puts them in a position very different from the one of the Chiefs who are just writing checks and circumventing the salary cap with ease because of how much cash they have uh so yes that one doesn't have to mean the other but the Broncos have won a Super Bowl since Pat Bowl and stepped away um the other thing again you know, you're talking about the offensive line being such a problem. Well, putting Trevor Lawrence behind the offensive line isn't any better than putting Drew Locke behind that offensive line in terms of how much that offensive line is going to hold him back. I think, personally, again, the Broncos aren't getting the number one overall pick. It's just, it's not happening, uh, in my opinion. But I don't think that's the worst thing in the world if you are able to find a way to get a high-caliber left tackle and start really fortifying this offensive line. It's clear the tackle is a very, very important position, and the Broncos are going to have to be awful, awful to be in play for Trevor Lawrence. We'll see just exactly how that unfolds the next couple of weeks as it really seems like they will be out with Drew or without Drew Locke uh, for the next few games at least, and we'll find out exactly how long that is, hopefully some more details from Vic in just a little bit. The Big T chiming in, rule check. Didn't they bring in a, few, a rule a few years ago after Rodgers broke his collar for Bowen that defenders that stopped defenders from di- driving players into the ground or landing on them? Why didn't Bud Dupree get a flag? Was it because he still had the ball in his hand and hadn't thrown it? I think that's probably why. Yeah, is he was a ball carrier. As someone who thinks football has become a little soft and wishes the rule in the 70s were still in place today, stick him aside, I can't complain. Just wondering exactly what the rule is. Last year, what were our players doing at the end of a game? You let Connor score there, or lastly, what were our players doing at the end of the game? You let Connor score almost every time is tackling him literally ends the game. So stupid. These Have these NFL players not had thousands of hours playing Madden like the fans have? Vic needs to force all his players to play at least three hours of Madden a day and the entire coaching staff too as well to iron these issues out. Game management is so simple, yet I see so many teams and players messing this up. So which one of you three are going to ask the question to Vic at the next presser? I'm laughing while typing this. Imagine the look on Vic's face when you ask that. Peace out and love to all. Apart from you, Bud Dupree, the big Tabowski. I know someone else's face who would uh, have an even more mad face when you ask that question. <laughs> What's the question? Uh, why, why he doesn't have his coaches and players play three hours of Madden each day to learn game management. Ah, yes. I mean, to be fair, Madden actually can be a pretty helpful tool for learning these types of things. (laughs) It can. Repetition. Yeah, and, like, I agree. agree. Um, When James Conner was running like that, I I was saying, let him score, let him score, let him score. Now, the Broncos are going to lose the game. But if you let him score, it goes from 0% or maybe 1% up to, like, 3%, maybe. 
uh, but at least you have a chance. Right, exactly. And we saw the Cowboys pull off a miracle yesterday, so, uh, you know, you never know. That was crazy, man. I, can't, I still can't believe the Cowboys came back from them. How about the, the, the uh, Falcons? They sure know how to blow a lead, don't they? Oh, seriously. Yes, they do. 39 points to blow a lead. All right. For my boys, here's the thing. 75. Hey, guys, had to share this story with you. The other night, I went on a date with a girl I've liked for a long time. Let's go. I picked her up. We went to a nice new steakhouse. It started out rocky as our apps came out a little burnt. But once we got some alcohol in us, things went smooth. By the time our entree came, we were having a good time, and I was feeling good about closing the deal. We made it to her place, and I was sitting in the car, and I was feeling good about getting a kiss. Well, I leaned, uh, I leaned in, and she leaned in, and we headbutted, and I absolutely stepped on the gas and drove off a cliff into an 0-2 start. Now my good engine is out for two to six weeks, and I have a go-kart engine. One of, uh, one of my wheels is from a scooter, and my sister sits in the trunk, yells, turning every time I make a turn. Okay, but seriously, it seemed like we made some good halftime adjustments. <laughs> what were the pressures in the first half compared to the second half? Also, not on board with tanking for Trevor. Everyone complained about how this team gives up, but that now they're fighting every game and people want them to give up. Stupid. <laughs> I, thought, I thought we were reading a real story at first. <laughs> Hell of a turn. Hell of a yeah, turn. seriously. Uh, in, in the second half, the Broncos did start helping Elijah Wilkinson a little better. Um, on that right side, there was one play where they left Noah Fant in there to give him a chip, and then Melvin Gordon was also there to help with T.J. Watt. But if you have to give a player two helps on every single play, that means you should probably be looking at other players. Sure does. From Larry Den Jr., hey, guys, dear Broncos country, if you can't be patient with this team, then don't be a Broncos fan. Eh, let's not be the fan police. Everyone processes differently. Uh, all right, I'll read it. Um, who wants to hear negative BS all game? In my Broncos group chat, the lack of perspective pissed me off. My buddy's just railing on Ojemudia, a rookie who missed up the opportunity of training camp, saying he sucks, uh, and a bust because he dropped an INT and got beat over the top. Where's the perspective? The negativity on the fourth and two play call. Dude, we should, uh, we should have got blown out. Pat Shermer put us in a position to win. Look, all I'm saying is the team is young. We lost seven of our top ten players. And people need to temper their expectations or don't watch. A little, mu a little much. Play fantasy or Madden. I don't know how you wake up wa uh, and watch a game to be negative. It's dumb. And the court Cortland dropping that catch really pissed me off. Did you see Cortland on the 45-yard catch? Healthy Cortland would have taken that to the house. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just so pissed off with the fan base and the negative Denver media. I appreciate you guys having perspective. And Stokely was very positive, a couple other Denver media, but for the most part, about Trevor or Justin Fields BS. It's annoying, made me feel like, what kind of fans does Broncos country have? Yeah, I think it's, it's just, it's taken a, a bigger picture look at it right now. And I understand the frustration and there, there are some positives coming from this team. Man, Ryan, the Broncos or, or Cortland Sutton, they, he wanted, they wanted him out there as quick as possible. I, I, you know, you don't want to say, well, what if they just sat him a little bit more? Because it was a different injury. But, man, he, that shoulder, if, if, he, if he's able to make that catch because his shoulder is 100% healthy, he probably makes that catch. It's, man, it's tough. It's tough. But let's just make sure that doesn't happen to uh, Bradley Chubb or any of these other guys. Yeah, it sucks. It really does suck. And uh... – you just wish the best for the recovery. Like, that's what this is about now. In the same way that 
It's about, you know, finding out what you have at the end of the season. It's also really about getting these guys back to 100% so this doesn't keep happening. Uh, and, again, we got to stop the tank for Trevor stuff because I just don't think this team is bad enough to lose that many games. Um, and, and then even if they get a very, very high draft pick, I still don't think – and, again, if Drew, Drew Locke's going to be back for eight weeks, he's not going 0-8 or one in seven in those eight games, like no, no way. Yeah, so you wouldn't think so. So uh, tank for Trevor. It's you're wasting your time. Don't do that. But it is time to shift expectations. It's just, you're not getting Trevor Lawrence. And while we're at it, you're not getting Justin Fields either. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not, man. Rough. Yeah. Sucks. All right. Uh, Sorry, I lost my tab here. Uh, next one from back in Bronco. First of all, Fant looks like a top three tight end. Throw him the damn ball. I know we shouldn't get carried away, but I couldn't help but look at the rest of the schedule. I have a hard time finding a way to see that Denver gets to nine wins. Please advise. Thanks. Yeah, everything's yeah. changed. Everything's changed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, especially just during this podcast, Ryan, it just continues to change. Now that we know uh, Cortland Sutton's officially done for the year and Drew Locke, it's not, uh, not looking good for him either. It's all changing, and that means that everything needs to change. Next one. Cor- just for those out there who are probably asking somewhere, does Cortland Sutton being out make you feel better about uh, Jerry Judy's production or worse? Me? Yeah. They're going to have to get him the ball more, so it makes me feel better. Even though he's going to have more attention, uh, he's gonna have a, he should have a lot more passes thrown his way, so better. Yeah, I think we're going to have to live in those little moments, like when Jerry Judy gives a number one corner of the business and catches a pass. Like, <laughs> those are going to be the, the things that get us excited. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Guys, before we go any further, I got to tell you about a really fun game because we all need some fun in our lives, and it is WGT Golf. WGT Golf is the most popular golf game in the world. It's also the official gaming partner of DNVR. And it's been my favorite game for the past decade. And we want you to play with us. So how do you do it? We'll go to dnvrgolf.com to download WGT. It's free going to dnvrgolf.com. And it just lets WGT know that you want to play with us. So dnvrgolf.com, download the WGT app. And then go into the clubhouse section, search for the DNVR3 clubhouse. It's DNVR and the number three next to it to get you in to our whole series of clubhouses. And that'll get you access to all of the tournaments and everything going on. We have hundreds of members from this awesome DNVR community playing WGT. And we want you to play with us. It's the most realistic golf game out there. And I love it because you can play a game in five minutes or you can spend hours on it. So really, wherever you are, if you're sitting on your couch uh, or if you're you know, out driving and you're sitting in the passenger seat on a long road trip, you can play WGT Golf. So go to dnvrgolf.com to download WGT Golf. And also check – no, no, I got it, I got it fast <laughs> enough. I, no one noticed. Uh, you had to bring attention to it. Uh, <laughs> also check out our rugby coverage. Uh, it, Colton Strickler is heading it up. You got to check out the podcast. He's had some of the biggest names in American rugby on the podcast, and he he is just doing a great job over there, helping people learn and fall in love with the game of rugby. So, um, check it out. Somehow, some way, there's less injuries in rugby, despite less um, padding. It's a, it's it's a quite nice feature of the game. You know, 
<laughs> you don't see quite as many injuries. Yeah, it's very true. Man, what a bummer day. Windy City Bronco says, Shermer's performance in 2020 will need to be judged for what he does over the entire season, not just two games. His play calls have occasionally seemed odd, but perhaps there's a longer-term logic to it. Fant clearly had the hot hand in the first game of the season, but then Shermer goes away from him. It seems crazy, but over the course of 2020 season, does it make more sense? Clearly, Fant can deliver, but if team is going to be good, Judy, Patrick, and Hamler all need to be delivering too. Forcing the ball their direction early in the season may set up a greater success down the road. At this point, we'll, with Locke injured, we may never get to see the deeper plan. Given Shermer's pedigree, though, I find it hard to believe that he's just making bad play calls. Well, Ryan, one thing I learned from this comment, Pat Shermer listens to us, and his name is Windy City Bronco. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> come on. Um, if this was basketball and we're talking about game two and Jokic is distributing instead of shooting, uh, and you're saying, look, he's got to get the Gary Harris's of the world going if the, Bron- if the Nuggets are going to reach their peak this season, I would understand it. But this is football, man. Uh, you don't get to play the long game. There's only 16 of these things. You got to win every single one of them. So, uh, no, you know, getting the ball to Tim Patrick instead of Noah Fant does not do you any good. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. You got to win. You got to do what, uh, what's best for your team. And that's getting the ball to Noah Fant is what uh, the film has shown. Litvatsky, hey, I wanted to air out some of the frustration, so here it goes. I feel that we are again in coordinator purgatory. Skanes could have made the same mistakes we are seeing from Shimmer. Too cutesy or bad calls in general. When watching Herbert this week, a lot of the things he was asked to do were schemed up for him. Why have we not seen more of this for Drew? Quick passes, screens, short slants, and drags. Help a young guy out by getting him the ball or getting the ball out of his hands quick. It seems like all the teams we face are able to do it. Why can't we? I know you talked about Fant. Feed him the ball. He is killing it, and I don't understand how he goes when misses an entire half. Fourth quarter, third and two. Why do we pay Melvin and bring in Glasgow? To be able to run it up the middle. That is what I would call a money down, and we did not even give him a shot to earn the eight mil. On a positive, won my first game of the year as offensive coordinator, taking my record, including last year, to six and one. Appreciate y'all, Litvatsky. Keep up the good work, Litvatsky. Uh, Broncos might need some mostly. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I mean, all fair frustrations. Um, uh, you know, I watched the Seahawks last night, and yes, Russell Wilson is incredible, but even the play calling, they knew the Patriots were bringing pressure. They ran a sweet little de- uh, drag route to, I believe his last name is Swain. Uh, and all Russell Wilson had to do was take a little step back throw, and just throw a nice little lob pass off his back foot. And, yes, is that a good throw? For sure. But Drew Locke can make that pass all day. Those are the plays you need to call when you know the pressure is coming. And if they didn't know the pressure is coming, like, there's nothing I can do for them. Because anyone who watched week one of the Steelers knew they were bringing heavy pressure. They're going to do it all year until someone decides to counter them with good plays like that. Jerry Judy is a perfect wide receiver to get open quickly. And the Broncos did not do enough for Drew Locke on the script. The script should be full of plays that are perfectly designed to counteract pressure. And they just didn't do it. And it, it drives me nuts that they weren't able to scheme up plays to keep pressure off of Drew Locke. So, yeah, you know, uh, it's, a little, it's some Elijah Wilkinson's fault, some Garrett Bowles' fault, some John Elway's fault. It's also some Pat Shermer's fault. I thought he did a terrible job of – drawing up plays to keep the pressure off Drew Locke early in the game. Yeah, and also what I just did not like was uh, 
um, was when you brought Jeff, Jeff Driscoll in. You just didn't play to his strengths. Now, he played well, but he could have done a lot of things to catch the Steelers off guard, and I don't really think we saw any of it. Thick Fangio says, I disagree with Zach. I think we saw it from this team at Pittsburgh. Gives me hope against Tampa Bay. Driscoll proved that he can throw the ball, and if we can keep a pass rush that's not as good as Pitts out of his face, I think we see a high-scoring game. I think we see Gordon go off, too. Can we get one interception without a penalty from 45? At least this one didn't negate it. Get Vanette out of there and more Fant. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Fanji, I wonder if you feel the same way after all of this news this morning. I, I Good for you for feeling good about playing Tampa Bay. I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have to see Jeff Driscoll in a game when a team is prepared for him before I can feel good about anything. Yeah, exactly. World of just, suck, which seems pretty fitting right now. What do you have to say, Ryan? Oh, I was just gonna say a lot of a lot of things are just gonna have to change before I feel good about anything anywhere. <laughs> yeah, world of suck. I floated this idea out in the DNVR lounge last night. Wanted to hear your take on this. By the time the podcast drops today, we may already know about the prognosis for Drew's shoulder injury. Yep. But if Drew misses ten games or more, touch wood. What would you think of getting the Washington football team on the phone and inquiring about Alex Smith? I've got three reasons I think Alex Smith might be worth a call if he can actually get on the field. One, his veteran presence should provide enough consistency for the young receivers to develop together. I worry that Driscoll may not be good enough to spread quality targets around to our young receivers core by a week-to-week basis. Two, it is no secret that Alex Smith was a fantastic mentor to Mahomes, even though he was he knew that the acquisition of Mahomes signaled the end of his tenure in Kansas City. While Drew recovers, he can sit under Smith and learn from a true vet in the league which is something he never got to experience under Joe Flacco. And three, we're back to living in a world of suck. We need a good story in Broncos country. Alex Smith would be a great story if he panned out. So what do you think? I know it's unlikely to happen, but fun to think about. Oh, man. Uh, I don't think Alex Smith is actually ready to play football games. Yeah. Like, I don't know, even if you just saw the video of his family, like, celebrating him and hugging him, he was still, like, swinging his leg around like a peg. Uh, it just, it, it, it was crazy. Like, I'm sure he's he's good enough to practice, but, man, I don't know. It doesn't seem, it doesn't seem, like, right to put him out there on a football field yet. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it doesn't. And, uh, man, it's just not going to happen and you said if, if they if he misses more than 10 games so he's supposed to miss two to six right yeah um the only thing I was thinking is like is there a young quarterback out there with some promise that you could maybe bring in and just see see if they had a little something get the people a little excited the only name that came to mind is old friend Josh Rosen <laughs> yeah that's what I was gonna say he's sitting on a practice squad right now so you could right. if you if you told now I think he thinks he's in a pretty darn good situation uh learning from Tom Brady over there in the same way that Jameis Winston is in a good uh position learning from Drew Brees although Jameis would also be an exciting one to bring in um it, you'd have to give up too much probably for him but uh, if you called up Josh Rosen and said hey we're gonna pay you you know a, a decent chunk and you're gonna start I think he might take that opportunity Jameis no Josh oh, Rosen. Josh yeah because Josh I Rosen you can sign would. him to the active roster right off their practice squad 
Um, I don't think that necessarily makes the outlook for the Broncos much better, but it at least makes it more interesting. It would. It would. Would you trade for Jameis? No. Oh, man, not even this week when, when you'd get to, uh, to play his kind of former team? I'm a believer in Jameis. Um, I think that he has the opportunity to be, still be good in the NFL. Um, he has so much freaking talent. But this is not the team to insert him onto. Uh, you would get last year's Jameis for sure if you brought Jameis onto this Broncos team right now. Probably. <laughs> Probably. Weapon, weapons were never an issue for him, right. um, which the Broncos are already down a weapon. Two weapons, if you, encounter, if you count Philip Lindsay in that. Uh, it was protection and decision-making. Uh, and if you protect him, I think his decision-making will get better because he doesn't have to feel like he has to win the game on his own shoulders. Uh, again, if you brought Jameis onto this team, you would, you would see exactly what you saw last year, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Next one coming in from Pig Tosser 66 Team showed good fight and had great heart. Gotta love that. And it makes it easy to remain optimistic about where this team is going. Regarding Drew, remember last year he was sacked less than, less than any quarterback in his six starts. And that was with a worse offensive line than we have right now. It wasn't because the offensive line played better. It's because Drew can feel the rush and knows when to get on the move. It is a major part of his game, and he excels at throwing on the run but he has to learn how to protect himself. Both of these injuries came from someone uh, chasing him from behind. Get on the move and see if one of the guys is going to break free, and if not, fire it into the bench. Uh, it, this is so fluky, though. Like, he was trying to get away, and then he got tripped up, and then someone jumped on his back, you know? Like, it's not as if he – I don't know. Like, he didn't – he thought he was out of there, and then he got tripped up. So it's not as if he was like running around like a chicken with his head cut off and then he got he got uh crushed. Like he was doing what he does best, which is get out of the pocket, avoid pressure, and then it just it was kind of fluky. Like he got tripped up and as he's falling, he has someone jump on him. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it was it was fluky, but if you're the quarterback, you you gotta balance making plays and also doing the smart thing to stay healthy for your team. And do you think maybe that was reckless? I don't think it was reckless. No, no. But, but maybe after this injury, after the one last year, he'll learn that he – but at what point do you say don't extend the play? You know, it's easy to look back and say, yeah, he shouldn't have extended the play. But should he never extend the play? Well, then you're taking a lot of Drew Locke away from Drew Locke if you do that. So it's, it's really tough. It's really tough balance. Yeah. Next from BSN – Balls out. My boys, I keep hearing Bowles getting heat for being the second O-line failure and the play that Drew get hurt, Wilkinson being the first. To me, it looked like the D-line ran a stunt, and Reisner should have picked up Dupree. There's no way Bowles – oh, lost my spot. No way Bowles would have time to loop around Reisner and re-engage Dupree. Thoughts? Uh, I'd have to watch it again. Yeah, m me as well. Yeah, Ryan, we are just getting comments flowing in left and right, so it's knocking us off our spot. Next one from Broncos Sooners, New York Rangers. My boys, what a brutal stretch of injuries. I have nothing to say. I had such high hopes this year, and the rug has been pulled out. I'm not saying there isn't a Tebow-like miracle that is waiting for us, but at this point, with the injuries we have, it doesn't look great. The main silver lining is, if we do poorly due to injuries, will we get a high – we will get a high pick. We will come back next year and hopefully have everyone healthy. That will give the young guys a, 
all a season worth of experience and some seasoning going into next year, which should be a playoffs or bust year. Now that the bad news is this, if Locke is out for a long time, we are missing the window to see what he has. We might be set back another year if he isn't the guy. And if he is the guy, then there is really no worry. I like what I see from him, but he's no, but he's no infallible, but alas, no rookie in his seventh start against a good team looks great. Uh, Sorry for the long one. I'm always going to be here and apologize for chirping at Zach when he said OJ was having a good game. And I said, yeah, real solid drop pick and burn for an 85 yard touchdown. I calmed down and realized he really is having a solid start to his rookie career. He is being asked a lot and the tweet was only out of frustration. Hopefully Zach didn't take it the wrong way. Mile high salute to the haters. Go Broncos. No, it definitely didn't uh, take it the wrong way. Yeah. Tough for Oge, man. And I had people in my mentions, people DMing me, uh, saying, like, why why are people giving him credit? Like, he's having a terrible game. And I was just, it's just like, this is, what, this is what happens when you have to start rookies. You get the good with the bad, and you have to deal with it, and you hope that they learn from it and get better from it. Um, and that's what being in the NFL is all about, right? Like, you have to be able to respond when things get tough. Because if you just thought – that everything was going to work perfectly in your career. You're never going to have any adversity and you're just going to go on an up and up the whole time. Well, you're in for a big, big surprise when you get to the national football league. So Oge, good start, tough breaks. You looked bad a couple of times. Now show us how you respond. Exactly. The other Ryan, my boys, I will keep this pithy. As long as the comments are ready, or as as many of the comments are long already. The only word I can think for the Broncos right now in 2020 in general is pain. A silver lining in all of this is the Broncos and their fans exercise some patience. Things could take a dramatic turn for the better in the near future. Fingers crossed that Drew Locke, Cortland Sutton, and Draymond Jones injuries are not severe. If Locke's injury turns out to be more than one or two weeks, or more than two to four weeks variety, do the Broncos consider trading for Alex Smith or signing Sam Bradford or Blake Bortles? As we know, uh, Bradford played very well for Pat Shermer during their time together with the Rams and Vikings. Thanks for the great coverage, DNB Army. Salute. Well, I think with this, Ryan, are you trying to win right now with the Sam Bradford type of move? Sorry, I lost your audio there for a second. Oh, I was just reading reading the question. Should they sign Sam Bradford? No. Yeah, it doesn't I mean, make sense. Again, if this was just Drew out, then you start thinking, okay, how do we get through this uh, and keep our heads above water so when Drew comes back, we can make a playoff run. But we're t- did we settle on five out of seven pro bowlers on the football team are now down? Yeah. And the starting quarterback. Right. No one. There's just no remedy for this. There's not. No, there really isn't. There isn't. And this wasn't like uh, a team that was competing for a Super Bowl this year, you know, and another one coming in from Brandon Cristal. Draymond Jones could miss up to four weeks with a knee injury. All right. The injuries just keep piling on. Is this a dream? (laughs) Can we wake up? (laughs) Yeah. Someone please wake me up. Next one from True Champ Fan 24. My people, sorry in advance. At this point, the season is a wash. Let's see what the young guys have and go from there. One, old Pat must not like Noah Fan. Give the man the ball. Two, 
They said that pounding the table for a better backup quarterback, and now we will see just how right he was for it. Is there any team money you may think about bringing in? Anyone, including team money? Hey, I'd bring in Trevor. What do you think? Is uh, any anyone to bring in? Blake Bortles is another name. Uh, no, I just said that. Like, uh, it's it doesn't it doesn't matter. I agree. Uh, sorry, like because I I think it's going to be the full six for Drew. Unless, I don't know, maybe you, you make the case that if a backup quarterback could come in and win you a couple games, then you try to rush Drew back. Um, you never know. You know, that's the beautiful thing about this. It's the same way the Nuggets are down 2-0. If they win the next game, everything is, you know, it completely changes. The same goes for the Broncos. They're down 2-0 right now. They, if they win the third, our our opinions, at least my opinion, will completely change. I'll say, okay. Now you have a chance to go two and two by beating a lowly Jets team. And at that point, now you start thinking of maybe uh, uh, rushing Drew back. But it doesn't seem likely that that's going to happen. And because of that, I think you need to take your time with Drew, take your lumps on the season, make sure you have everything ready to go next year. Yeah, yeah. Three for Mr. B. Four, Ojemudia played really well. In fact, I just text my friend saying he looked really freaking good. Then he misses the interception and it fell apart. My bad. Sorry, Juice. Five, love y'all. P.S. Ryan, seems the Lakers did not learn from the Jazz and Clippers. Nuggets in seven. <laughs> Nuggets in seven, baby. I want to believe. But... Only bad things are happening in my sports world right uh, now. Seriously, only terrible things. Only terrible things. Got to get Bron- game three. From Broncos guy 63, with all the injury news coming out, I want to throw something out there. Broncos sit at 0-2. Drew has another mildly serious injury that can keep him out for a while. Spend as long or as little as you want on this. I know it may have a negative effect on the culture, but do you think it would be in the Broncos' best interest to tank for Trevor? I personally would rather see them win some games, but – Drew, Drew, damn near immediately getting injured again has me pretty concerned. Feel free to rip this take if you must. Thanks, fellas. We've already gone over this. It's not – I just don't think Broncos are bad enough. Uh, even if they sit all these guys down, I still don't think they're bad enough. So, um, unless you legitimately sell the farm, which means, like, trade Melvin Gordon, um, trade Justin Simmons, um, you know – like sit down everyone who is even a little banged up, including Jerry Judy there. I guess there is a path, but you would have to, it would be very obvious what the Broncos were doing. Like you would have to go out of your way to tank. And that includes trading away some of your best players. Well, let's see. Let's see what happens against the jets. Do they hang with the jets? Do they beat the jets? Do they lose to the jets? Do they lose in a big fashion to the jets? Um, The Broncos aren't going to intentionally tank for Trevor. But if things get really off the rails, and it would be off the rails if they lose to the Jets. So we'll see. We'll reevaluate in less than two weeks. Again, right now, at least, the worst-case scenario is Drew Locke is playing in eight games. Just don't think they're going to be bad enough with him under center. What if they're 0-8? I still think they're going to probably win four of their last eight. Maybe. Maybe. What if they went three and then they're three and 13? I mean, it's crazy to say that they could be 0 and 8, but that's what I'm saying. If, if they lose to the Jets, who are you going to have them beating when Drew locks out? 
I mean, the Dolphins at home, maybe you could make the argument, but the Dolphins are a better team than the Jets. That's just why I think, I think we'll, we'll have a better idea of just exactly where this team is after the Jets. And again, you never know what's going to happen at home against the, the Buccaneers. Yeah, uh, exactly. We've seen, we've seen crazy upsets happen all the time in this league. Broncos, uh, pretty much the same line as it was this week uh, in Pittsburgh. So at least in Vegas, they think it's going to be a similar game uh, to what the Broncos just had with, uh, with Steelers. Yep. Yep, exactly. Broncos guy 63. Or no, we just got him. Butch Cassidy. Guys, since the end of last season, there has been a lot of talk about the 2020 season is of the utmost importance or what this team can be in 2021. This is more relevant than ever. No tanking, no giving up because an 8-8 eight and eight season has never been so necessary. We have to win eight dirty tooth and nail games. It will be built, it, it will be build heart and dog in these young guys. It will get them used to these close games. And next season, when everyone is healthy, please, dear God, this team will have developed heart and leadership and break a losing season streak. Get back on track, similar to the Steelers of last year. What are the eight games this three-legged horse can win? All right, let me get the schedule up. Man, I mean... Schedule. So if they're going to win eight games... Uh, it's, it starts this week. It has to. Oh my gosh. No, 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 no. Okay. All right, fine. We'll give them a loss there. Jeff Disco beating Tom Brady. You never know. Uh, all right. So they're not, uh, we'll we'll just, we'll see if we can still get there without this week. I don't know if we can. Uh, Jets, there's one. Patriots at home, I don't think so. I oh, actually no. give them a better chance against the Bucks than I do against the Patriots. Um, Dolphins, we'll give them that one. So there's two. Not beating the Chiefs, not beating the Falcons. Right? Yeah. Okay, Raiders, there's three. Chargers, there's four. After last night, I can't say that, no. Okay, but, if, but if we have to get to yeah, eight, we're then getting yeah. to eight. Yeah, okay, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Saints, no. Chiefs, no. Panthers, there's five. Yep. Bills, if we're getting to they eight, have I have to, to give them this one. <laughs> so, Bills, uh, there's six. Chargers uh, on the road, there's seven. Raiders at home to finish the season, there's eight. Wow. Wow. That's a tough task. You know what? It can be done. It's just you have to sweep the Raiders and Chargers, which, as we know, is never easy, really, regardless of what those teams look like. Yeah, Butch Cassie, I would uh, recommend not holding them to eight and eight as being like a uh, uh, of success anymore. I think that's too tough of a task. But you know, the weird thing is, if they beat the Bucks, they've now canceled out the Titans' loss because I think most people had them losing at Pittsburgh Week Two, right? Yes. And a lot of people had them losing to the Bucks. So they're kind of back on track if they beat the Bucks. But again, that's not saying it's going to happen. That's just saying that's the path to getting, you know, into – you could be two and two if you beat the Bucks. And we would be having a very, very different conversation if the Broncos are two and two, even with all the injuries. Right, right. H-Town Bronco. Take the 2020 Broncos out back and shoot them in the head. Oh, my god. Oh, Jesus. And this misery, I don't recommend recommend doing that to anything or anyone. The amount of catastrophes is just getting ridiculous at this point. One thing after another. I knew it was going to be VJ era bad, but this, 
I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. Season's a wrap, man. Time to just focus on the young development. You know, actually, let's read this last comment, and then I'll give my final point here. It's from Arista Pratt. So it seems like a popular opinion uh, that we are losing due to coaching. That may be so, but it seems less black and white to me. The third and two and fourth and two at the end of the game seem to be evidence for poor coaching since we didn't run the ball. Doesn't the quick passing game neutralize blitzing defenses? I thought the two calls were great. The fourth down looked like poor execution from Driscoll. He has Gordon, Hamilton, and Patrick all open where the blitzes would have been coming uh, with enough time to dump it off. Yeah, he was just looking for Melvin Gordon on that Texas route, and that Texas route on, a, on an untouched blitzer, you rarely have time to get it out. He just – I don't know. If you would have seen where the blitz was coming from, it wasn't, it wasn't Melvin Gordon's coverage. Uh, like, like mentioned here, the coverage was elsewhere. But that the primary route, I believe, just based on the way he was looking at it, was that Texas. Yeah, I think it was. It, it should have been at least. And he just didn't – he didn't realize that he wasn't going to – I guess he didn't realize he wasn't going to have time to let that develop because it's not a quick route. Despite the fact that it's a short pass over the middle, the route takes a little bit of time to develop. It does. It's so infuriating how long it takes in Madden. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, he goes on and says, our losses look like a combination of too many mistakes, Ojemudia drop, Van at fall, Sutton tipped ball, etc., made by too many people early in the game, forcing us to be perfect at the end of the game. It's easy to point out coaching as the problem as end of games. Yeah, I mean – I don't really think uh, – I'm not necessarily blaming coaching for all of this. The coaching the, – the margin for error for the Broncos is just really small. And when all these injuries happened, the, the margin for error got smaller, Zach. So what that, what that leaves you with is the coaching has to be really, really, really great um, to not let that margin of error occur. It comes back to something we said earlier, Ryan. Why was Vic Fangio hired? Because the, it, it's, it's a good question. Was he hired because, you know, he's this veteran guy? Or was he – because at the same time, he is a veteran guy, but he's a brand-new head coach. So do you give him the break and the benefit of the doubt of rookie mistakes? Or do you say, no, 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 you have four decades of experience. You shouldn't have rookie mistakes. And that's just something that John Elway needs to know of his expectations for him. But one thing we do know they hired him for is to make this defense elite. And now the injuries are certainly making it hard for him to do that. But not just this year, Ryan. Broncos have blown a lot of leads at the yep. very end of a game since Vic Fangio took over. And that is just simply not acceptable. And that's looking past, you know, one timeout uh, error, which Vic Fangio admitted was an error. And that's something that you didn't hire him for. You didn't hire him to allow opposing offenses to march down the field. Yeah, here's difficult. If Vic Fangio does a better job managing the clock at the end of that first game, there is a very decent chance we're talking about a one-and-one football team right now. And now we're saying if you beat Tampa Bay, you're two-and-one. Even if you lose to Tampa Bay, you're one-and-two, and then you get the Jets, and you have a chance to get right back to two-and-two. Two. You're in a much better place to survive if you're one-and-one one right now. But since you're zero-and-two, oh it's a lot easier to look at this team being zero-and-three. Oh which is the likely scenario. And then you, you look and you say, okay, well, now all the pressure is on them as they travel to New York uh, on a Thursday night short week. And it's very easy to start, to start going down a dark path of, oh, God, if they lose that one, where do they get a win, which is a path we've already been down today. So it, it's not all on coaching. It's not all on playing. 
it's not all on play calls. It's not on all these things. But because the Broncos, even with all of their players, had a small margin of error this year, then they lost damn near half the team. Now the margin of error is minuscule, and the coaches can't be the ones to make those errors, and they have been, and that's why they're getting a, a hard time. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's, it's tough. Man, I'm very, very curious to see how these next two weeks play out, Ryan. I think it's going to tell us everything we need to know about the Broncos, at least up until the bye. I think you're right. I think you're right, Zach. And I'll just say this. I've said it once, but I'll, I'll go back to what I was saying. This year was not about winning a championship. And if you thought that, it was unrealistic. Now, it was about making the playoffs, but now that's probably out the window, too. This is year one of trying to build for the future. And there is a scenario, Zach, where this, in a roundabout, weird way, ends up all working out for the Broncos. And the way that happens is they get their guys who are injured healthy. And I'm talking about the guys who aren't out for the season. You know, those guys, obviously – they're going to they're gonna hopefully be healthy by the time they get to play again. What I'm talking about is the Bradley Chubbs of the world, you know, take, a, take, take some rest and get healthy. And uh, the Draymond Joneses of the world, take some rest and get healthy. And, and come week eight after the bye week, right, is bye week week eight? Muted! No, <laughs> I did it to myself. <laughs> um, but, yes, I think it is week eight. So you come back after the bye week, and now you have eight games to build for the future. And let's say, in a worst-case scenario, the Broncos do go 0-8 without Drew Locke. Now you have eight games, and, and you just want to see signs. And let's, see, let's say you do see signs. Uh, and Drew Locke goes 5-3 and three in those final eight games. Well, now you've gone 5-11. and 11. You're going to have a top-10 pick. And as you get ready for the rebuild and you continue the rebuild going into next year, you get to add a damn good player to the group. That is my best spin on how this works out well for the Broncos. They basically play an eight-game season where you're just trying to find out who's staying and who's going. Drew Locke proves that he's the guy, which I already believe is to be the, the, to be the case, K.J. Hamler and Jerry Judy look fantastic. Draymond Jones looks like he's ready to replace Shelby Harris, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You have the pieces. And now, as a little bonus, because you went through all that pain and all that suffering in the first half of the season, you get the prize of a top 10, possibly even top five pick to add to this group, which already has a ton of talent. You can pick a defensive player. Maybe it's a linebacker, a game-changing linebacker. Or maybe it is a left tackle. But that's, that's the best-case scenario for this team is you play an eight-game season to, as a prove-it season, and you still you, you get the information that you need. And then on top of it, you get to add another really great or hopefully elite player to your mix. Or for all the people that are in the tank for Trevor conversation, you go 0 for 8. And you end up winning like three games and then that's enough to get you Trevor Lawrence, a generational talent, or you win three games, you go three and five with Drew Locke, Ryan. How about this? And in those three games or in those eight games, you are assured that Drew Locke is your guy, but just the rest of the team has fallen apart. So you only win three games. You have three first round picks for uh, trading away that, that pick for, for Trevor Lawrence. 
And people who want Trevor Lawrence are probably screaming at themselves saying, don't trade the pick for anything. But I mean, if it all crashes and burns, either getting a generational quarterback or getting three first round picks for that pick isn't the worst thing at the end of the day. Exactly. So this is tough. Uh, and I understand everyone's frustration. And I understand some people are probably going to be mad about the narratives that we spoke about on this podcast because the season isn't over. But we have to give our best educated and honest guess about the way things are going. Uh, and that's at least the way we're feeling right now. And maybe the fact that Anthony Davis took out a dagger and shoved it through my heart last night uh, <laughs> has me feeling a little extra negative today. But that's, that's me, you know. Uh, you're always going to get us on this podcast. We're not going to fake it. Uh, and so I think that there, there is a way to spin this. The problem is uh, it's not going to be very fun for six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be learning a lot about the depth on this team, Ryan. Sure is. Uh, so yeah. Uh, we'll have fun wrap. doing it though. We'll have fun doing it. I can guarantee you that. I promise you we'll definitely have more fun than we did today. <laughs> yes. And we still kind of found a way to have fun. If you want to have fun, go to dnvrgolf.com and download the world golf tour app. It's always a great time. It's a good way to pass the time. You're just hanging out on the weekends. You realize, oh, there's DNVR tournament this weekend. So you hop in onto DNVR golf. You go in or you, you hop into WGT golf. You go into the DNVR three country club. You realize, oh, there's a bunch of guys playing in here. You go into the discord and you talk about it with everyone in the DNVR golf channel and, uh, and all that good stuff. So down, go to, go to dnvrgolf.com and download WGT today for Zach and I. That's going to wrap it up. Try to stay positive, Broncos country. Uh, It's always darkest before the dawn. We'll see you later.